Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Page One, the podcast that likes to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, find out how they got into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, and yes, we have a YouTube channel, I highly recommend if you're listening to this on podcast to come to the YouTube channel and watch this episode, you will be able to see me and Tarek uh, wearing our festive jumpers. Or do we, do you just wear that every... This is a standard attire for me, yeah. Just yeah. every day is Let's Spider-Man. see it stand up a bit. Show us it your I've bit. got my Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Christmas jumper. Represent. I've got my Batman. Marcus, and for the first time, I'm revealing, to, I'm revealing to... Um, our viewers, what my house actually looks like in the background there. Wow, I don't think I've seen that house before. Yeah, yeah, Mark. I mean, there's some people in the background, but also, yeah, I've got just a couple of trees there. Uh, nice but, yeah. little bridge across yeah. between wings yeah. of the house, is it? I mean, it's a, it's a small small house, but yeah, you, you make do, you make do. <laughs> um, but uh, I said it was a special episode, it obviously is a festive episode, we're releasing this uh, just before Christmas, and um, we are joined by not one, but two very special guests uh, one returning guest and one completely new guest yes indeed our first guest is nick binge who appeared on the podcast uh, way back in episode 157 he told us all about his journey to publication with ascension his amazing speculative book that we think will appeal to fans of interstellar arrival annihilation and it's received rave reviews including from some guy called steve king I think is that is it his no, name? I don't know. I've never heard of him before, but yeah, apparently he's quite a big guy. Yeah, and uh, also uh, joining Nick, who will appear in a moment, is uh, a newcomer to the pod. As I said, another fellow Edinburgh-based writer, or close to Edinburgh. Uh, Dave Goodman is a prolific author of short stories uh, in renowned sci-fi magazines such as uh, Clark's World, Analog, and uh, where his latest story, Hull Run, has just been published. And in fact. At the time of recording today, he's just sold another story to Clark's World. His fans are short story machine. His fourth story to Clark's World in like two or three years. For the rest of us, Dave. Exactly. And uh, he he also has his debut novel coming out next year and we'll be able to uh, talk to him about that. So why don't we now say hello to Nick and Dave? Hello. Hello. And Nick's got a friend with him. I see. Got a little. I, this is the official um, page one festive episode mascot uh, nice. that I brought along. Uh, terrifying. Not, not page one, Matt. Just the festive episode. I kill him at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, loving your Christmas jumper as well. Can we see a bit of that? A bit more of that, Nick. It's the eye of. Cyber. Oh, nice. Oh, excellent. Oh, we've gone. For, we've all got gone for uh, movie comic themed Christmas jumpers. It's good. Yeah, I like it. Good work. Like it's good work. I just have this extremely hot hat uh which i'm going to take off actually but it's okay because i have a i have a virtual <laughs> oh, smart you planned hat. that yeah. planned that what are you going to do? <laughs> um now uh, regular listeners will know that uh, at this stage we normally say um we'll get straight into the podcast after a quick advert for our writer's notebook at which point we cue a well-played and recorded advert uh but Nick and Dave being, I think, possibly our biggest fans of, of Page One. Is that fair to say? I'd say so. I have that. Uh, uh, have requested to do a live reading of the advert. So From, um, from memory. 
Yeah, from memory. Uh, so I'm going to hand yeah. it over to them now. <clears throat> Let's try and get on my like, uh, like mid '90s movie trailer voice. Um, <laughs> preparation. Don't do it, man. In a world. Yeah. In a world where there's a blank page. Um, all right. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity. A blank canvas to be filled with all the adventures and characters in our head. Are we swapping? Are we doing? Are yeah, we that's doing you now, Dave. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> Killing the vibe. That. I, was, I was getting well, excited we all know. <laughs> the best advice for a writer is, say it with me, guys. Write. Right. Right. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start to pull the threads of what you've written together? What about that character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What did she have? And where did she leave that MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those taut thrillers you like to read or those epic multi-volume novels, that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organize all the thoughts we have about the stories we want to tell. We might be on a train, scribbling down something on a scrap paper, <laughs> or maybe make a quick note on our phone at a meeting. Is this how it sounds to everyone else normally, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, like the greatest advert ever. <laughs> Other times we'll have to we'll have time to carefully jot it down in a notebook. All methods that can work, but are also a bit haphazard. This is this is slightly different to the script you guys read. Um, it can be difficult to pull in the thoughts from each of these ideas and apply them to whatever it is we're writing. Sometimes we even forget where we made that note that we just know would solve the problem we're now encountering. And that, yeah, that's, that is, is when we realised that it's not just the story that needs structure and planning. It's the way we gather all our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. And here's, 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 oh, here's, nice. Here's yes, nice. Product placement there. Excellent. Good work. For, for those listening, I'm, I'm holding up a page one notebook. If that doesn't sell you at least three notebooks, um, then <laughs> I will fired. Dave's hat. It's virtual hat. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for that. Um, I'm, we'll, we'll get back to you as to whether or not we, <laughs> we use that version of the ad. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for joining us for this special episode. So normally, um, if you're joining us for the first episode, first of all, poor you, I would definitely recommend yeah, going to see. Really trade for first episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly, go and listen to other episodes. But secondly, um, normally we would explore uh, the, the guest journey, writing journey from the start, and find out what they've been writing recently. And we will cover some of that, but because it's a different type of episode we really just wanted to jump in and say what were your writing highlights of the year as in your personal writing highlights of the year um and uh we can all have a go at this but uh i'm gonna start with nick cool um that's a good question it's been a busy year in a lot of ways um i think there there are obvious ones that i can point to like my book coming out um, but I think I'm, I'm going to go for slightly more, um, interesting and esoteric ones, um, that, that occurred to me when I think back at 2023, I think one of the absolute writing highlights, probably one of the highlights of my writing life 
was uh, discovering that one of the readers of Ascension. I need, I need to, I need to frame this in some context. If you haven't read the book or you don't know about the book, yeah. right? But the, the the book is 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 framed as a kind of pastiche of kind of gothic fiction. So it's it's an epistolary narrative. It's written through kind of a bunch of found letters that are discovered in a in a in a kind of uh, in a care institute uh, years after the fact. Um, and there's all kind of little footnotes and things like that to suggest kind of how the letters were arranged and how they were put together and blah, blah, blah. Um, and and some made up footnotes of like academic papers and stuff like that that discuss the letters. Um, anyway, I had a reader who first I noticed on Goodreads who was like commenting on other people's reviews being like, oh, I love this so much, but I don't, I don't understand. Like it says Nicholas Binge on the cover, but... Like, what did he do? Did he did he find the letters? Did he present them? Did he put them together? <laughs> and then she emailed me actually directly and was like, I can't find this paper that you quote, like this academic paper that I'd made up, right? Um, in the book. Right? So she'd bought it. She'd completely bought the conceit. Um, and she thought the letters were real. Um, and she she like, these letters include like all sorts of like, weird yeah. time I, mean, I, I think it's fair, fair to say yeah exactly by the end of the book all sorts of weird shit has happened so. yeah all sorts of weird shit is happening so if nothing else i like i commend her ability to suspend disbelief whatever universe she lives in that she could she could openly accept all of that as being yeah, that's brilliant i i'm envious of her uh but if nothing else i was like that is a writing achievement i have written a book so preposterously ridiculous and someone has bought it as real <laughs> so <laughs> That was a highlight for me. I've, I've been living off that for a while. Nice. Brilliant. And uh, Dave, what about you? you? As as I said at the start, I mean, uh, yeah, let's let's with you at least. Let's do a little bit more of a dive into <laughs> since you've not been on the podcast before. Um, as I said at the start, you've you've written lots of short stories. You've got um, a book coming out uh, next year. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about you know your your writing journey in a in a summation tiny tiny yeah um yeah absolutely yeah so i've I've been writing since i was very small um kind of um, primary school really um and uh i i kind of realized quite early on in life that it was a thing that i found easy that other people apparently didn't find all that easy but that i would get praise from adults for doing uh so i was like brilliant i'll do a bit more of that um and wrote little short stories, little two or three page short stories all the way through school and then started writing longer ones when I got to university. And um, and then I kind of wrote, wrote and submitted a few short stories in my early 20s and then basically stopped because that was back in the day when you had to like literally post stuff to the other side of the world mm-hmm. in a lot of cases and wait for a little slip of paper to come back with a rejection. Yeah. Um, and I did that three or four times, got straight rejections, which is good because the stories were awful and uh basically gave up and started writing novels instead i wrote a NaNoWriMo novel in 2005 and then over the next sort of 10 years i wrote about another five or six novels but it was always very sort of um up and down you know i would write for three months and then not write for six months and about five years ago i started writing much more regularly and i'd had lots of practice but i hadn't ever submitted anything i hadn't been querying my novel hadn't gone into the query trenches at all so it was kind of i was it fit if you if you were just looking at my career from the outside you'd be like wow this guy came out of nowhere but what in reality what i was doing yeah. is just sort of 
crouching in a cave typing and not not submitting anything learning but not really doing it in public in any way so out of the gate i was extremely fortunate to sell my first first submitted story like the first story that i submitted since 2005 um was to clark's world and that sold and then i sold uh two more uh and i've told the the one i sold this morning it's my fourth to clark's world and i sold two others to, to analog as well which has Brilliant. been fantastic and three of those sales were this year as well so th- this has been a, a bumper year for the for the short stories except they're not really short stories they're sort of eight eight to ten thousand words novelettes which is like mm-hmm. a tenth of a novel um which is actually quite a chunky bit of work but it's uh it's good because you get to sort of do a bit more than you would in a sort of three thousand word short story but you um you you're not having to write a whole novel yeah um, time sink is a lot less isn't it yeah 100 percent. and yeah I got agented at almost exactly the same time, like within five days of selling that first short story. I, I, I'd submitted my novel for the first time and I got an agent. So that was a that was a heck of a week uh, back in two, uh, 2021. Um, and I've been writing novels since then and writing more short stories and just kind of building on that initial success. And uh, yeah, I was very, very happy to sell a novel in June of uh, this year. Uh, which has, hasn't been announced yet, so I can't tell you who it's with. I can't tell you the title, but I can tell you it's a spy thriller, um, and it's hopefully coming out towards the latter half of next year. And Very I can awesome. tell you that it's great. Yeah, that's what I can say about it. But it's a fantastic book. Yeah, because I've not, I've not read it, but the concept of it, which I know, yeah, you know, we, we've, we've heard the pitch really all cool. fair, and yeah, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I was I was going to say as well. Obviously, we've got both of you on. We know you because we're on this in the same um writing discord and stuff but uh, you two as well have we spoke a bit about this when you were on the podcast before nick but you're you've got a small critique group that you're both part of and it is i think it's the most intensive critique group that i've ever i've ever heard of do you want to let people know how that works yeah we um yes it was me um uh, and uh, a few other people, some some other names you might know, um, uh, and no, notably in 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 the UK, Shauna Lawless as well, uh, who who writes the the Gale Song trilogy, mm-hmm. um, uh, who is amazing, um, and um, and a bunch, a, a few a few um, a few writers in the US as well who we've connected with, um, and it's, it's quite a small group. It's what are we six seven. Something like that. We, there's eight of us in the server, and there's currently five or six of us writing. There's five or six of us currently writing. Actively, there's people because yeah. of life circumstances they're not writing at the moment, or or kind of they they dropped out um of kind of for the time being um of the kind of regular writing and critiquing. But essentially, there's five or six of us, and um we meet. I mean, the idea is that we meet every single week. Um, we have opportunity to submit work every single week if we submit work every single week you can pretty much guarantee that it's going to be read by the other people who are reading and submitting so kind of at least four or five other people um and that can be up to you know uh sometimes it's a few thousand words sometimes it's five thousand words sometimes it's up to ten thousand words um i i I almost dropped like i almost dropped seventeen thousand words a few weeks back on the group uh in one week um that was a busy week yeah that was guys, a crazy so, week. so do you guys like drop stuff in as you're writing your your books you like do you write what you've you drop in what you've been written that yeah week? yeah so what i i think we all have slightly different processes what i like to do is like 
as I'm writing a book, I'll write a chapter, I'll draft it a little bit, but like, cause I'm quite a, cause I'm quite a discovery writer and I don't always know where I'm going. And I like to kind of firm that up early on. It's nice to kind of write something and then other people read it. And then, and we don't really do the kind of like close line edit. Like I'm not expecting people to be like, you know, correcting kind of phrasing and stuff like that. It's more the, the, the the real benefit is having the meeting at the end of the week and we just bounce around ideas and people would be like you know this kind of this characterization that's not really landing or that's not really working i'll be like okay what about this and like some of the best moments will come out of sometimes i'll submit something and then for half an hour the four other people in the group will be talking about it and bouncing ideas off each other and i'm not saying anything for like <laughs> like 20 minutes and i'm yeah. just sitting there taking notes being like that's fucking great idea that's a great idea as well like and thinking about how i might want to integrate it and a lot of the time kind of people come up with stuff and i go you know i don't say this but i'm sure we all on some level go no nah, nah, that's not a good idea i'm not going to use that <laughs> that's rubbish um <laughs> but uh but like it's just having the discussion which is it's become a hugely valuable part of my writing practice so as intensive as it is like it's it really helps me to kind of conceptualize and and uh, understand what's working and what's not working with how I'm writing. Yeah, I can, I can see how that would be hugely helpful to, you know, the when you're actually in the process of writing to, you know, like I'm currently in the middle of writing my one and I've definitely hit a bit in the middle where I'm trying to work things out. So if you were able to bounce you know, with people that re have read the story, so you're not having to explain it in a bad way, which is what I normally do. Um, they've actually <laughs> read it. Uh, the, 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 you're then getting their feedback and ideas for how it can progress. And like you say, Nick, maybe none of them will be right, but even that discussion might help you pro decide how to proceed. Yeah, it. yeah definitely. Yeah, it, al it almost always does. And it's it's interesting because logistically, so... I have founded and run a couple of other writing workshops uh, that were kind of classic Milford style workshops where, you know, the whole group reads one piece of work and then you sit around in a circle and every person has their say and 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 kind of classic Milford, the, the author is not supposed to respond until the end and it, it done badly, it can feel basically like a hazing ritual yeah. <laughs> and it can be really quite unpleasant. Um, Whereas this is this is a much more logistically efficient process because you, everyone submits their stuff, everyone reads, everyone comments, and we're talking in those comments. As Nick says, occasionally if you see a typo, you'll fix it. But you are you're commenting on you know places where you lose interest, or you get bored, or you're confused, or um, or you you're just not sure about something, or you're not buying the motivations of a character, or whatever it is, and then the 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 reader the, the the person who submitted that piece of work gets all these comments over the course of the the week and they're able to start working on them immediately if they want to but then they can take a bunch of notes and then that means our meeting is not like this ritualized sit around in a circle type thing it's more like the author then comes into the workshop and says i had a, i had i wanted you to expand on that point you made and yeah. we have a we have a discussion and it's very fast and very efficient and we can normally get through four or five people's work at most in a in a hour to hour and a half long meeting um and it's brilliant it's yeah i don't tend to submit quite as hot off the press as nick does like he'll drop a chapter every week whereas i tend to sort of write two or three chapters ahead and then drop them uh kind of with a bit of a lag uh just because i i like to i like to get far enough ahead in the story that i'm not sort of changing direction based on 
comments I got yeah. last week sort of thing. Because yeah. to me, that feels like it would interfere too much with the way that I write. Um, and, and I tend to drop short stories or novelettes just as fully finished projects. I'm just like, here you go, here's 10,000 words to read. But, you know, as long as you don't take take the mech and, like, continually drop 15,000 word chapters. On yeah, I've done that can, once. You, like, yeah, 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 yeah totally. <laughs> you can get, but you can get, you can work your way through a novel. You can get a whole novel through this group in in sort of 12 to 15 weeks, which is not possible in any other sort of workshop format that I know. And and just as a group, we're very close-knit. We, um, the American contingent, all came over for next launch and we had a fantastic time in Scotland. And yeah, it's... it's I basically bullied my way in because uh, Nick was asking for beta readers for a piece of work and um, I, like, dropped all my sort of creepy gun knowledge on him i'm not a gun guy just to be clear but i just happen to know a lot about guns I, don't ask me why but I, that's what they all say dave <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but i just was like i can help you with your gun stuff and your technical stuff and all the other stuff that is error filled in this story and i and you know over and then he kept talking about this workshop and i was like can i can i maybe join can i can you make and he proposed me as a new member and and i joined and it's been absolutely fantastic do you have to go through some sort of hazing ritual to join uh, there's a lot of gifts. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of in jokes. Yeah, it's a lot of good chat. Yeah, but and the, yeah, and yeah. the sacrificing of the goat as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, we do that. that on, on the that's that's not part. That's yeah. not part part of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just fun, Marco. Uh, All right, sorry. <laughs> no, the the very specific uh, the gun chat uh, that uh, that brought Dave in uh, was uh, was in a novella that I wrote, which. Um, uh which, which which i may have just sold but i'm not really allowed to talk about um but it was a novella that i wrote where um uh as as dave will know uh, certainly when i'm drafting for the first time and i get caught up in my ideas and i'm getting excited about the plot i fly very much by the seat of my pants when it comes to any kind of research like i i when i'm in the flow of writing i mm-hmm. very rarely stop to double check whether something is accurate i'll just kind of go yeah this sounds about right yeah. um you know and then on redrafts i'll go and i'll try and double check things and but sometimes i'll miss things because i just don't know right um and i don't know anything at all about guns uh like the only stuff i know <laughs> about guns is from watching like cop shows on tv and stuff like that the the occasional mention of things uh and i don't even watch that much kind of military-based stuff or read that much military-based stuff so i think i had a character who had uh was had assassinated another character it was near the opening of the book from across a room um with with a rifle had like sniped him or something like that or shot them with a rifle um and i just put down like a random gun in there like this I think you rifle. you googled cool sniper rifle. And I think I just googled, googled, googled first thing <laughs> cool, yeah. cool rifle or something like that. Um, <laughs> and Dave was reading it and was like, "This is an anti tank gun. Like if you shot a person <laughs> with this, they would just explode into red mist. I <laughs> think you wouldn't even have a body." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, okay, that's probably not use that then." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that could gun still stuff. work. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the stuff that people pick up on because I had a in my first book I had a revolver with a safety and someone oh, wrote it was like yeah. what the fuck you don't there's no such thing as a safety on a revolver you, like, you stupid twat like this is, this is the <laughs> i gave up reading and i was like right i mean so it's something people pick i was up just on. trying to help Derek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i will say i will relate a, a, a hack that i think i got from cory doctor i think i heard him talking about this on a podcast or, or in one of his articles basically whenever he needs to write gun stuff 
he always adds the word customized. Oh, to, nice. Yeah. Oh, to, so you'll be like a customized Glock 17 or whatever. And as a result, all the all the gun enthusiasts will be like, oh, I wonder what the customization is. And they, you know, they'll bend, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be like, well, it, it seemed to have some sort of double safety switch, so it can't be, you know, so they just get lost in that little rabbit hole trying to work out what the customization is and you get off scot-free. Nice. Little hint for you there. Especially <laughs> if you're writing crime fiction. Useful. Uh, I've got told me that years ago. I've got I've got a, a customized or maybe a modified rifle in that novella now. Uh, yeah. I've <laughs> thrown it in there. <laughs> um, well, uh, I did say this was a slightly unusual episode in uh, the structure. And uh, Tarek, I'm going to ask you now for your writing oh, highlights. Oh, you weren't even prepared for this. Jesus Christ! Okay, uh, I think for me, um, going to Harrogate this year was for the first time. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Um, I really enjoyed that. I, I, I wasn't on a pan or anything; just kind of went down. Harrogate, and, just for people. So, of course, yeah, it's a, so it's a writing festival, and it's it's one of the biggest writing festivals in the UK, and it runs over a weekend in June or July, and um, they get loads of big names there, and it's really cool, big massive tent, and just like you know, you could be standing having a drink at the bar, and you know, Lee Child walks past, and Richard Osman's there, etc. So they're all the big names in the kind of it's a crime writing festivals so all the big crime authors are there and they mingle with everyone and it's a really good way to kind of network except on all that kind of crap but so I kind of went, so I went down for the first time and uh, just to kind of basically hang around with the same two people who were there unfortunately <laughs> so I leached onto them for the entire weekend I didn't know anyone else and um and yeah and it was it was really good actually meeting people and I kind of the highlight for me of that weekend was I'm a big SA Cosby fan I love his stuff. I love his style. Was uh, he could have wrote all the sinners bleed? Is his newest one, and um, I've read an essay Cosby, and I'm trying to remember which essay Cosby I. Blacktop Wasteland. That was Blacktop great. Blacktop Wasteland is brilliant, and Razorblade Tears is also excellent. So those are his two books that he kind of he came big with, and then all the sinners bleed is his new one that came out this year, and they're they're all fantastic. And um, and I got to meet him, and I could chat to him for like ten minutes, and he came over and sat at our table and. He was like a super nice guy, really down to earth. Just like, you know, came from nothing, and in the last, in you know, the last few years, he's like, gone from like a trailer in America, and now he's like super multi-millionaire. Like, it's just a, it's the kind of like the dream story. I think a lot of writers think of that kind of rags to riches, almost and massive exposure. And he's like on, he was telling us he's on like a Zoom call with Matthew McConaughey. He's going to play a part in his film. And, you know, it's just it was like I was like shit. That is like the really cool journey that i would love to go and he's like a really nice guy and his books are brilliant so yeah that was that was kind of a starstruck moment for me that at that, that, that point that was that was really cool cool have any of you had starstruck moments in terms of meeting you know through your writing being able to meet some of the authors that you've admired several yeah several i uh i met mccarran briefly uh who's a I'm a huge McCarran fan, um, and uh, I met Charles Cumming as well. He's another spy author, um, and Adrian Tchaikovsky was. Was he at Chimera this year or last year? I can't last remember. Year, Ch- I think it was. Last year, yeah. Um, Chimera is the Edinburgh Science Fiction and Fantasy and Horror Festival um, in May June, the end of May, beginning of June time, um, and that's been. I've got to meet some incredible authors. Uh, I also got to meet Stark Holborn, who uh, is one of the writers. I've got one of her books here for later on uh, when we're talking about books. But um, I, when I was kind of 
just getting back into writing and kind of in a bit of a slump i read um i read the book 10 low which was the first book in, her, in the factus trilogy that she wrote and it's kind of space western uh it's like mad max meets Wait, firefly it's oh, a fantastic book awesome. and and it was one of those books that where I picked it up and I didn't, I, I, you know, I was looking at the cover. I was like, okay, this looks cool. And then from the first page, I was like, this is just, just incredible. And I got to meet her first at Fantasy in the Court, which is like um, Goldsboro Books does, does a fantasy and science fiction event in London. I got to meet her there. And I also got to meet her at Chimera this year. And it was great just to meet her. And, and I got to tell her like your book kind of got me out of a, a writing slump and it was fantastic. And um, that she's just started writing the third one. So I'm, Hopefully that will come out in, in a year or so. But Excellent. fantastic books, highly recommend them. What about nice. you, Nick? Uh, I've had a couple. It was it was I, it was really cool um, at um, Camera earlier this year. I was on a panel with Christopher Priest, who is uh, obviously you know just an absolute heavyweight in the SF world. Uh, and I've read a, a few of his books, and I and I've really enjoyed them. Uh, and obviously, you've got things like The Prestige that were made into a film, and which is one of my favorite films of all time, and and not just meeting him, but actually being on a panel with him, um, uh, was, a was a special moment. Um, I think there's the obvious, I, I haven't met him. I haven't actually conversed with him, but there was the obvious freak out moment this year when, uh, I opened up Twitter and Stephen King was saying that he loved my book. And I was like, okay, that's, that's something <laughs> like, um, but in terms of, uh, in terms of meeting, Oh God. Well, in terms of meeting writers and idols that I really look up to, there was also one very recently, but I'm not allowed to talk about it uh, with you guys, uh, partly because it was a bit more of a business meeting than it was a casual meeting. Uh, but maybe one day I can relay that that chat to you. But that was also a very special moment for me. Exciting. Nice. Exciting. Was that when we chatted just before we came on there? <laughs> that, was, that was it, Tarek. That was the one. <laughs> We're not, we said we weren't going to talk to other people. Sorry, sorry. We made Marco sorry. jealous. Yeah, um... <laughs> uh, yeah and uh, since no one's asking me, I'm going to tell you my right now. I, I was, I was uh, thanks, again Tarek. just about to ask. Don't worry. No, it's all right. It's fine. <laughs> so, Marco, what's your highlight of the year? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm too um, used to be you being the leader, Marco. I don't. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't know what to do when you're not taking control? Nice, nice of you to ask. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously, my highlight has to be uh, I, at the last minute, decided to enter um, Bloody Scotland's Pitch Perfect competition, uh, where you had to write a hundred words pitch for a crime novel, and um, I yeah, literally last minute, and I thought, well, why not? I'll do it because I'd had this story that I'd started writing. It had been a story that I'd, I've always wanted to write, and I hadn't ever got round to sort of seriously doing it. But I thought I'll do the pitch because I, I know the concept of the story. Uh, and I was selected in the final of that. There were eight, eight or nine of us, I think, in the final. And um, I was out of a pretty big. Pretty big short. Yeah, it was like, yeah. 90 so, people, wasn't there? Yeah, so there, there was a reasonable amount of people entered. And then, so that meant at Bloody Scotland, I had to stand up and uh, deliver my pitch, a two-minute pitch uh, of the book to a live audience, include, and the sort of panel was... Including us. We including were, we were you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. David were there. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, it left already. I don't uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> Nick was like, I'm definitely not... <laughs> Waste of time watching that, <laughs> um, and Ollie Munson was uh, on the panel, and uh, a couple of editors as well. And yeah, it, it was it was uh, 
you know, a great experience. I, I didn't win that, but immediately after it, um, an agent came up to me, and gave me her card, um, Francesca Ricardi uh, at Kate Nash, and sort of said, uh, really liked your pitch, um, get in touch. And I was sort of like, well, you know, I haven't, because I'd said in the pitch, I haven't, you know, I've only written a few thousand words. Um, and she said, no, that's fine, send me it, send me it. So I did so without much, too much expectation. I thought maybe she might be interested once it was finished. But uh, she then asked me for a synopsis, which I didn't have. So I had to quickly write a synopsis as well. <laughs> um, but I, uh, the end result of that was that she uh, offered to, made an offer to represent, which was amazing. Uh, you know, this is something I've been searching for for ages. Um, she was really enthusiastic about about the book, about the story. So, yeah, so that's been my highlight. And now I have just, since that day, I have basically been uh, writing, trying to write this book. So I'm 45,000 words in. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely getting there and I'm hoping to finish it early next year. <clears throat> and then we'll see we'll see what happens from then. But yeah, definitely, definitely a highlight there. And it's great because it's yeah. another, you know, we've chatted to so many folk with the podcast to find agents in 100 different ways. And it's just another example of, it's you don't have to do the standard sending in yeah. an ex- yeah. extract you know and and then uh, submission query letter etc there's like a billion ways you can get in touch and get in front of an agent and yeah and uh, Although, even as you said like a pitch thing you're like oh, i don't know if i can be arsed with this like is it what's there much point to it but the total there is yeah, you never yeah. Know who's the audience. yeah drop at the door you know <laughs> I was going to say the the standard the standard routes do exist in our you know I got my agent through the standard route of querying. However, I was going to say these things do happen in the background, like the the book that I sold in the summer. Um, I sold after I'd written two other books. So I wrote the book that I got rep with that didn't sell. Then and and a lot of people don't really talk about the fact that sometimes books die on submission. You can write a whole book and it just. Just goes out to general indifference. Um, and another one that also died on submission. I'm, we're kind of keeping these in the back pocket. We might bring yeah. them back at some point. But then the third, the third book happened because the editor, who has now bought the book, came back to us and said, uh, "Can't buy, can't buy these two books for various commercial, boring commercial reasons." But um, what else have you got? You got any ideas? You got any other finished books? And I was like. Well, here's some pitches. I wrote a, synop- uh, wrote a synopsis, wrote a, a sample, and then uh, he was like, "Cool, write me a bit more." And we we went back and forth over two or three months, and I wrote about uh, in the end about forty thousand words, and and then at that point we got we got a contract. And that's very common for established authors to to sell on a, on a pitch and a and a sample, but it's less common for for yeah. debuts. But effectively, he'd already very seen two books from me. So, I mean, it's yeah. amazing that he he obviously you know, spending that time with you go back and forth on a debut, you see a debut untested author for, yeah. for an editor I think it's also, publisher to spend that time is amazing. It also yeah. says so much about, about, I think the market when people are like, you know, there's, there's always so many questions out there about kind of why, why a book is picked up and why a book is, is, um, you know, bought and all of these sorts of things. And I thought it was so interesting to have an editor who for both of those two books that you submitted to both times, he was like, look, you are clearly an extremely talented writer. I would love to work with you. The books are great, but they are not right for my list right now. You know, yeah. and I think that yeah. that in that difference, you can really impress an editor, and they can love your book. But if it doesn't fit 
the marketing necessities that their list needs at that particular time, then they're not going to be able to acquire it. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And the fact, but the fact that he stuck with you and went, God, these are, you're clearly a very, very talented writer. So maybe you can write something that does fit the marketing necessities. Of yeah. Us, yeah. You know? and, um, and it was, it was, it was that sort of rapid fire back and forth. Um, you know, and we had a couple of zoom calls and, and ultimately I still wrote a book that I wanted to write. The idea was one that I came up with, you know, um, and if he had said, actually, no, I don't want any of these pictures, I would have probably written one of them anyway, and probably this one. And we probably would have gone out, out on White's mission with it again. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm super glad he kind of demonstrated that enthusiasm early on and was like, want to work with you. You know, you can, you can obviously write quickly because you sent me two books in less than a year and a half. Um, so maybe we can do something here. And yeah, thankfully it's, it's turned into a, a finished book that I am just working on uh, edits for at the moment, in fact. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, that sort of touches on on a, another question that I had. And it's one that we've discussed off off podcast as well before, but I thought it'd be an interesting thing to discuss on podcast. Scary with... Spice, Marco. That's my favourite one. <laughs> we'll get to that, Tarek. We'll get to that. Um, uh, is... Your your first book was a, a more speculative. The, the one that got you the agent was a more speculative yeah. book. And just generally speaking, it seems to me that there, you know, and we've spoken to other guests on the podcast about this as well. But you know, it seems that selling that sort of spec fiction is a much harder deal than, say, a straight thriller or a straight crime novel or something like that. And I've always found it slightly odd, given. When you look at the, when you step back from books and look at entertainment as a whole, um, speculative stuff does amazingly well. It's probably the biggest stuff in the entertainment industry if you're counting sort of superhero movies, uh, Star Wars, even on computer games, things like Skyrim. All you know, so it's not that people aren't aren't wanting that type of stuff, or maybe it is just that the other entertainment is consumed by a very specific market. I don't know. What 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 do you guys think? I think um i remember i remember very vividly i went to see uh ian banks uh who i, who I miss greatly he's one of my favorite authors um but i went to see him do a reading from one of his books and there was a q a afterwards and someone in that q a kind of basically not so subtly suggested that you know he was he was doing the sci-fi for the money you know they were they were like oh yeah obviously that's where you make your money and he was like no 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 it's the other way around like the literary fiction stuff outsells my sci-fi 10 to 1 like easily and i think i think the 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 kind of uh, when you're in the sci-fi speculative fiction world and that's your main focus you, you kind of look at it and you think yeah this is a huge market it's a, but it's not it's really tiny especially relative to crime thriller and just general fiction they're just so much bigger and i think as a result there's much fewer there's fewer imprints there's fewer editors there's fewer slots in the in the lists and the publishing so that and the competition there's a lot of people writing this stuff as well mm -hmm. so the competition for those slots is much more intense and i think that as a result you need to have something really special to get one one of those one of those slots. And I'm not saying that you don't need to have something special for other genres, not at all. But I think that there are more opportunities, you know. And as a result, um, you can um, potentially hit more editors and get more opportunities to kind of get it in front of people who might be able to buy it. Um, 
and then there's just there's so many more imprints with so many different business models and so much much bigger lists as well so i also think um, that i think that speculative stories in film and tv that are really popular don't quite match up to speculative fi- adult speculative fiction in books in the same kind of way because i think adult speculative fiction particularly sci-fi but fantasy as well in in, in many ways has a tendency to be really quite cerebral, quite esoteric, quite out there, um, quite pushing the boundaries in many, many ways. Um, in the way that really popular speculative films, and I'm thinking of your Star Wars, your Marvel, yeah, your, the, you know, the the big, big blockbusters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Lord of the Rings, right? Um, they're 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 popcorn films. They're not, you know, they're not groundbreaking ideas necessarily, right? And the the films that do have really groundbreaking and thoughtful ideas they're not big blockbusters they don't do as well okay but when you think of when you think of the corollary in the book world that's kind of it's more your a lot of your ya literature i suppose where in that space actually the speculative stuff is the most popular think of the biggest ya books of the past 15 20 years they're all games right Hunger Games, Harry Potter, like any anything like that. They're yeah. all there. You're not getting, you get very few contemporary realist YA books that break out as big as the speculative ones. And I think almost like that's the parallel to your, your Marvel and your Star Wars to some degree in the film world, rather than your, your Ian M. Banks, rather than your, your kind of uh, Arcady Martin, you're kind of, you're really pushing the boundaries, mm-hmm. kind of really cerebral and interesting spec fic. I also yeah. wonder if you get more interesting spec um, film uh, film stuff in the TV world as opposed to the film world. Yeah. Because you, like I'm thinking of stuff like Severance or like Silo or Foundation Silo or whatever. Or you know that Silo is a bit to be so is Foundation. To be fair, maybe they're bad examples. But like Severance is like a if anyone who's not seen it as a kind of a concept of like your work life balance is literally severed, and so when you go to work, you you don't remember your home life and vice versa, and it is one of the best TV shows I saw every year was it came out. Um, and it's it's super speculative and super sci-fi, wide, crazy concept. Um, and I don't know if you, if that would have been made into a film or not. It seems like kind of film that I would imagine would be a kind of like indie movie, low budget, maybe would be massive. But on a TV show, it was maybe given a chance to breathe. And Although, just... like, I suppose there are, but I suppose there's exceptions to everything, but something like Interstellar, Arrival, things like that, where big... Big, big names get involved big to help. Hits yeah, right. well. uh, everything it wrote all at once is obviously yeah. the, the the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know that cleaned up at the Oscars, like, um, and that's very bonkers, pushing the boundaries, spec work in so many different ways. Um, well, I mean, we we have uh, talked around um, this stuff, but because it's a sort of end of year thing, I did also want to. Um, ask you a bit about sort of you know everyone puts out things with lists and things like that but i did want to ask what your sort of books of the year were um this year so the 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 best books you've read it doesn't need to be necessarily a book that was published this year just books that you've read this year that 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 you really enjoyed um i don't know let's start with dave Sure. Um, I I knew this question was coming because normally when people ask me this, I just go completely blank. Like my my books, books were books. Um, So I made a little stack, and I'm going to go through them quite quickly. Oh, nice! Go through them quickly. So, and there's a bit of it. It's a bit of a. You can see these on YouTube, our YouTube channel. I'll say. Yeah. In fact, (laughs) I might just quickly. uh, Yeah. Well, I will 
say the names. I'm not just going to sort of slideshow them up, but I will. I will um, uh, turn off my virtual background so that. I uh, was that fake? Oh yeah. <laughs> did, did you not realize? <laughs> All right. Um, so this book is oh, yeah. uh, the Fall of Coley right. by M. R. Carey, Mike Carey, who I think has been on the show twice. Twice. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, this is the third in the Ramparts trilogy, and it's uh, kind of. I describe it when I'm talking to people about it as an accessible Ridley Walker, which relies on you knowing what Ridley Walker is, which is a book from the 80s by a guy called Russell Hoban about uh, written in um, essentially a, a, like a, a I wouldn't say devolved, but an evolved form of English. So after a nuclear war, um, and it's, it's almost phonetic, and the whole and once you get your head around it, it's like the phonetics in train spotting or whatever you, you once you've got an ear once you got your eye in, you can read it but that's essentially quite a i think quite a conventional story but told in this interesting way with this new version of english whereas this is written in pretty much standard english but it has a lot of the same vibes um and it's a brilliant story and it has a whole bunch there's a there's an insane japanese ai in it called maneki maneki neko i think um who ends up basically befriending a boy in post-apocalyptic england and the, the rest of the story kind of falls out of that starting point. The fact they're great books. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I've read um, They are brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum is a couple of spy thrillers. So uh, this is Damascus Station uh, by David McCloskey, who's a kind of square jawed ex CIA man um, who happens to also be an excellent writer, which is like, seems unfair, but sure. Um, and it's fantastic. It's, it's really good um, kind of. Uh, story set in the Syrian revolution in 2011-2012 and it's as far as I know fictional um, but it's a very it's his debut and it's like annoyingly good in terms of how well paced it is and there's a character in this called Artemis Proctor who is the CIA station chief in Syria uh, who's probably my I think with these books thrillers they always come up with such weird names but i know i know so brilliant totally for right. that yeah. type of yeah, yeah. And, and and the thing is you can't imagine that character with any other name yeah and yeah. there's a scene at the end of the book which is simultaneously one of the most banana things i've read in the last five years but which was absolutely perfect for that character and and i i've heard since that she's going to be a, a fairly major character in the in the next two novels that he's the next one comes out in like two weeks time in the uk and he's got a third one on on the on the boil which is apparently a retelling of tinker taylor soldier spy but in the in the cia which sounds amazing to me that's interesting uh this is mccarran real tigers which is the one that's currently airing on apple tv and slow horses this this is the one that they made into season three of uh of i'm like one book ahead of the tv show i'm trying to kind of read read them before it's really interesting the changes they've made in the tv show but this is a very good one with your kind of standard shadowy figure yep I like cover um this is hell's eight this is the sequel to 10 low uh, by stark holborn um more like dusty space cowboy but it's but it, it's a it's a heavily uh mostly female cast uh but also like a really interesting backstory there's a 13 year old um genetically altered gen like special forces general who's been the ch- child soldier essentially who's escaped to this planet he's uh plays a much bigger role in this book um they're fantastic books can't recommend them enough brilliant uh all right three more three more uh this is the actual star by monica byrne which is um three stories 
that essentially take place in the same place, but a, a, um, a thousand years apart. So the first story takes place in 1012, the middle story takes place in 2012, and the third story takes place in basically po- post-climate change ravaged Earth in 3012. Um, and I can't really describe it. It's just, it's a very, it's, I read this on holiday. It's an absolute brick of a book um, and it just blew my mind. It was fantastic. So nice. recommend that. Uh, I'm reading this, which is Strange the Dreamer by yeah. Lenny Taylor, uh, which Nick recommended to me for about a year before I got around to it. But basically, because he recommended me a book and I really didn't enjoy it. And then after that, I was like, <laughs> I don't trust you, man. But then I got this one. What and was I, it? I, I, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to say the one that I didn't enjoy. That's that's not kind. And then finally, for Welcome the writers, to Cooper by uh, Tara Kashkani. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. And then the third one, this is um The Organized Writer, which is by Anthony Johnson, um, not the singer, um, who I met actually at Bloody Scotland, a really nice guy. And he's like a comics writer, he's the guy that wrote yeah. uh, Atomic Blonde and um, oh, a couple of other things. Yeah. He's he's now writing Cozy Crime, the the dog sitter detective, which is like a fantastic sort of second career act. I'm I'm loving it. But this is his book. And he used to be like an advertising copywriter and he's basically created this organizational system for working writers that's based on traffic systems and advertising agencies. And it might, some bits of it might be overkill for some writers, but the idea of like how you organize your work and how you organize things and the idea that it doesn't have to be chaos and you can organize things in a way that makes it easier for you to actually do the creative work is um, it's pretty cool. It's a great I, t- I take it he's got a chapter in there on the, using page one in the writer's notebook um i think this book may predate your notebook ah, okay but, uh, i'll be in the second yeah, in the yeah second i'm sorry edition. to say yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it'll be in the second edition <laughs> uh, what, what about me. you nick um i i i'm not prepared enough to have a a, a litany of books to, to wave in front of your face um unfortunately <laughs> but but i've read a ton of books this year and a ton of fantastic books so actually whittling it down to 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 just a few um was difficult but i'm gonna start i'm gonna start with ones that, that were actually released this year um that i think that that were really special for me um uh i read i read titanium noir by nick harkaway at the beginning of the year which i thought was fantastic um for anyone harkaway is such an interesting writer uh, and i've read more harkaway since and before and he's he's got this ability which is really interesting because now he's for those who don't know who nick harkaway is he's a He's kind of a spec fic writer who's who's done some straight crime stuff yeah. under a pseudonym. Uh, but he's also John, John Le Carre's son um, as well. And he's actually now taking on the mantle of writing a John Le Carre book yeah, um, uh, coming up next, which is really interesting because he's, in my mind, he is such a different writer to his dad. They're both fantastic, right? But they're both very, very different. So I'm going to be really interested to see how that goes. And he's a writer who all his works are so fundamentally different. Like they're in different genres, they do different things. And yet there's this, there's something so Harkaway about all of them. You know, there's something that, that that brings them all together. And Titanium Noir is, usually his books are big, big chunks, you know, some, some like no more are absolutely yeah. huge. And, but most of them are pretty hefty, right? And Titanium Noir is this short little novella, really. Um, that's, there's very much this pastiche of a kind of noir detective, um, book but in a futuristic sci-fi world with these giant titans and all sorts of crazy stuff going on and it just absolutely engaging from start to end like 
some wonderful, very Harkaway, ridiculous scenes that, like, as I'm reading them, I think another a lesser writer could not pull off this scene. Like, it would just if a, if another writer tried to do it, it would be silly. But you've somehow made it cool, um, which always impresses me. And so I really, really enjoy Titanium Noir. Um, the big chunk one that I loved this year, which I recommended to you, Marco, and you yeah. have read, is um, James Islington's The Will of the Many, um, which is a wonderful fantasy book. I'm I'm very picky about fantasy these days. Um, I I always try and pick up more fantasy books. I read loads of fantasy when I was a kid, and I'm going to be completely honest to say I put down more than I finish. Um, I I I DNF more than 50% of fantasy books that I pick up. And so it takes something that's doing something. I would say that's doing something quite different or just doing something really well to get me through. And the, mm-hmm. the funny thing about The Will of the Many, and we chatted about this, Marco, yeah. is it's not until the end. It does some really funky yeah. structural stuff at the end, which I fell in love with. But like for the first 75% of the book, it's not doing anything different. No, it's, it... it's like every, tro- if you were to sit down and list every trope, that you yeah. could from classic fantasy fiction, it would have it. He just does them all so fucking well. Like yeah. they just, they just. I, I agree. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's got everything. It's got like secret prince uh, hiding away, and <laughs> it's got a magic school. magic school. It's got like uh, yeah. it's got all of the like. It's, yeah. It is. It's it's got all the tropes, but the tropes exist for a reason. People like them if they're yeah. done well. And I would say, I agree with you. The Will of the Many is one of my books as well because um, it is just a brilliant book. Because just... within, because he doesn't, he doesn't rely on the tropes. I think that's no, the key, I think right? That's right yeah. Because the tropes, the tropes are there because they're fun. But what really is compelling about the book is the complexity of the characterization, you know, um, the the power of the prose, the the pacing, the, the all of that. That it's the book is just very, very accomplished, um, and that's what makes the book so good. And the tropes, when you recognize them, you're just like, this is this is also just really fun, right? Um, and it was it was it was probably the most fun I have had with the book all yeah. year, definitely. Um, so the one of the many for sure. Uh, other books that published this year, um, another one, it's another fantasy book that I didn't put down, uh, which was uh, Richard Swan's The Tyranny of Faith. I love The Justice of Kings. Tyranny of Faith was even better. Um, I actually got an arc that Richard sent me of um, the, the third book on my Kindle, which is my Christmas reading, um, which I'm very much looking forward to. But that was fantastic. Um, strong recommend there. Um, and then... Um, that was all, that's that's all SFF stuff, but um, in the kind of literary fiction world, um, Caleb Azuma Nelson released Small Worlds this year, which I loved. Um, if you've not read him, he, he kind of came up big a year or two ago with Open Water. They're, they're kind of they're small, quite character driven novellas about him. I, they're not about him. They're not, they're not autobiographical, but, but they almost might as well be when you read them They're they're about kind of characters with English Ghanaian heritage, uh, kind of existing in, in, in the UK and in London and relationships and, and what that means for them. And, and he's just got away with prose that's utterly beautiful. And I get completely enraptured by it. And I thought small worlds were better than open water. I thought small worlds was fantastic. I really loved it. Um, and then I'm going to call out two more books that I that did not come out this year, but I read this year and I loved. I finally read 
Arcade de Martin's A Desolation Called Peace after having read so um, the first book, A Memory Called Empire, a couple of years ago, and it just been meaning to get to it and never did for ages. And I'm just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and do it because I love the Memory Called Empire, and A Desolation Called Peace is even better. It's you know one of those rare ones where the sequel just steps everything up from the from the first, and it's. I just can't recommend enough, but I almost don't want to ruin anything about it by talking about it because there are some concepts in that book that are just yeah, so I, clever. Like, I was about I was about to spoil one, but I won't know you. So you just reading but, it for the yeah. first time, the just yeah. and seeing it play out is as you, you know you know books where you sit there, particularly as a writer, sometimes and you just go like, "Oh man, like that." Yeah, yeah, I couldn't even think of that. Like that's amazing. Yeah. There was a scene in that book that I appreciated on about four different levels because I was like, technically, this is one of the best things I've read in the last five years. And then I was like, art, like artistically and in terms of the emotion that it's eliciting and, and just how effective it is as a narrative, it's hitting me there as well. As a writer, I'm just like, holy shit, how did she even do this? Um, but yeah, it, it's some of the most lyrical speculative writing I've read in since I don't know, God knows, since actually like Kayla Gwen, I would say like it's 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 a great book. I'd so recommend it. Yeah, no, fantastic, absolutely brilliant. And then the other one was um, that that stuck out to me was Burnt Shadows by Kamala Shamsi, which is it, it's not even close to being published recently. She published it years ago, but I, I I like Kamala Shamsi a lot. She's a she's a again a literary fiction writer who writes about all sorts of different things. Um, I got into her through reading her book Home Fire, which was wonderful. Um, and Burnt Shadows is basically, it's about, God, it's about a lot of things, but it's about essentially the fallout of the bombing of Nagasaki um, and how that impacts world events all the way to the the breakup of India and Pakistan um, and kind of um, things happening in the US and, and how it impacts kind of characters all across the globe. It's one of those kind of big generational novels where yeah. you kind of, after a few chapters, you then jump forward about 20 years and you you see their sons and their daughters and things like that. And it's wonderfully written. It's just, it's one of those books where you really connect with the characters. You feel, you live with them. Like you feel like they've become real people in their own right. And I think Kamali Shamsi has a real powerful way of doing that. Um, I, I cried twice in that book. I'm going to say that's a high accolade, but it's not because I'm a book crier. And, uh, you know, me saying that I cried in a book just means that, you know, there was, was some hippie emotion in it somewhere, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so, uh, so that doesn't say much, but, uh, but it was, it, it's a beautiful book. Um, and, and yeah, I loved it, but that, that came out ages ago. But I would say those are my top, when I was thinking about my top books I've read this year, those are my top. Cool. I'm going to make a confession. I was looking up the name of an author for my book and I missed the name of your second last book that you said. Was that a, a Desolation Called Peace? Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Marco, what was your? Yeah, so The Will of the Many, as Nick said, he's already talked about it, but I agree it was was just. I mean, I, I have got into fantasy books again over the past few years um Liza Locke Lamora one of my favorite books actually which I just got a special edition of if I can oh you went for it nice oh that is nice the orange orange ends yeah yes uh-huh spread you spread yeah um uh 
which I just think is a fantastic book. Um, that kind of got me back into reading fantasy again. And I, I agree, there's definitely ups and downs, but The Will of the Many was um, really great fun to read. I think that was the most, you know, that's what, when I read fantasy, often that is what I want out of it. And it, it really pulled you in. But the characters also, you really cared about them. So I'm already looking forward to the second book, particularly with what happens at the end. But no spoilers, but it is... A, mad ending um but it's one of the, like when you say about it being fun it's just one of those books that like you know the book where you have moments in the book where you literally like punch the air with your fist yeah. in excitement like you're like yes yes, yes exactly. <laughs> like, yeah it's one of those books and it's just fantastic um other ones uh, there was some book called ascension by some guy i don't know uh, binge or something <laughs> i'm not sure about that one. Oh shit uh, um uh, i read uh, the water knife by Paolo Bacigalupi, which um, I loved as well. Uh, if you've not read that, it's... Um, uh, I, I want to say cyberpunk, I read that, but that's not right. It's probably... No, it's, it's, it's kind of climate fiction. It was one of those books that I read where I was altered, I was oscillating wildly between this is a fantastic book, a really well put together book, but it's absolutely terrifying and kind of depressing. And I was kind of like, loving it and hating it simultaneously because it was like just too real in terms of the extrapolations of kind of because it's all about water rights it's all about you know the the various watersheds of the u.s and how those might lead to future water wars and mm. it's yeah it's terrifying but to, told as a told as a very taut thriller as well so exactly yeah it's yeah. definitely a page turner but yeah it's really well written so i really enjoyed that um uh Tarek had been telling me for ages to read Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir, um, and I did, and I loved it. It was brilliant. well, actually, I, I say read. I listened to the audiobook. I can't yes. reading the audio. Um, the guy, audiobook's the, great. Yeah, the narrator's amazing. Ray Porter's the yeah, narrator, Ray and he really, brilliant. really sold it. And um, it's a funny book because I felt for the first third of it or something, it was just The Martian again. Yeah. And then yeah. suddenly something <laughs> yeah. happens. I'm going to solve problems with science. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. then something happens, which I'm not going to uh, say what it is. I'm not even going to hint at what it is because it's it's a good reveal. But um, that changes the the concept of the story entirely. And it still has the I'm going to solve problems with science thing throughout yeah, the whole book. A lot. <laughs> but it, it's written in such a great voice, and it you know you really care for the character, and you you, you want to find out what's going to happen. So I really enjoyed that one. It's a really um, fun. Um, uh, the most recently, uh, the book that I just finished actually, which I did really enjoy, is a book called Fourteen by Peter Kleins, which is um, it, it, it's a sort of House of Leaves idea in the sense that a man moves into an apartment building and him and the other residents start to find out that there's lots of weird shit happening, um, except that it's more told in the style of a sort of techno thriller type idea so it's not got the structural stuff of, of house of leaves or anything like that um but uh, the more the more they discover it, it's got quite a breezy tone it's quite a fun book and then it the, it goes quite crazy towards the end it's very it becomes quite lovecraftian and stuff like that so how crazy does it go towards the awesome. end because i've i've read one other peter klein which is which was the fold which i really enjoyed for the first 80% and this is and keep in mind this is me saying this mm -hmm. as a, as a, as an author and, a, and, a, and an enjoyer of that kind of story 
it jumped way too many sharks in the last 20% for me. Like it, it just went, <laughs> it just it took a story and it just went off in a direction. I was just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this, is, this is insane. Well, I, like um, I have to say, I could see the same uh, same charge being leveled against 14 as well. But I yeah. kind of, I, the reason I found 14 was, I was like, what is the modern, what modern sort of, Cthulian Lovecraftian type stories are there and this was one that lots of people had recommended so I kind of had some idea uh, that it was going to turn like that um, and it certainly does turn in quite a big way yeah. towards the end um, but I enjoyed it, it was a very easy read uh, the, as I say, sort of very um, Yeah, he's a very pacey writer like yeah. he's a very page turnery yeah, like, exactly. critic writer. Uh, yeah. So I, I enjoyed that one uh, as well so um, I'm just looking at my, you know I should have had this all prepared but I don't oh yeah the, the other one was um, uh, The Children of Gods and Fighting Men by Sean mm, Lawless who you mentioned yeah. earlier oh, as well I absolutely Great, loved but... that I've not read the second book yet um, but I'm definitely going to also fantastic I really, I've had the privilege really of being it. in the critique group of reading the third book already which is not even out yet and Same. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there and say that each one is better than the last. The third book is absolutely amazing. Like she steps it up every single time. Oh, nice. um, third book is my favorite of the three. Easy. Excellent. I look forward. Can I, to can I barge in with one last recommendation? I forgot yeah. about it. Um, um, so uh, audiobook particularly. So I was listening to a podcast. Sorry, guys, not your podcast. Uh, <gasps> I think it was. Right, hang on. Uh, Dave has left. We lost you, Dave. I think it was Writer's Routine, but it might have been another one called The Real Writing Process. They're both All right, great. You don't need um, to say the name of the other podcast. Go sorry, on. sorry. Anyway, um, there was a writer called Bethany, Bethany Clift, uh, who was on, and she wrote a book called Last One at the Party, um, which I think is the first book I've read that is very obviously like a lockdown novel, like written in lockdown just full of the that the fear and the uncertainty of the first year of the pandemic but it's it's a it's a post-apocalyptic novel written in the aftermath of a second pandemic uh called 6dm which means six days maximum right. which is how long you survive after catching it and it's got like a 99.9999 percent uh yeah it's brutal but the the book the audiobook is pro- probably one of the best um audio and adaptations or it's not really it's it's a straight audio book but the whole the whole book is uh epistolary it's, it's supposed to be tape transcripts um and there's kind of background sound effects and there's one there's wow, one sequence a, where she goes that. she she puts on a hazmat suit and goes into a hospital that's full of dead bodies and there's thousands of rats in there and it was genuinely i was like i was out on an evening walk and i was like this is terrifying (laughs) it's just incredibly good but the whole book as well is intercuts between her life before the pandemic and then you know and all the things that she was unsatisfied with in that life and then her life after the pandemic and how she kind of gradually comes to terms with who she used to be and who she is now being literally the only person left alive um and it's it's a great book. I, I can't recommend it enough. What's that one called, Dave? It's called Last One at the Party by Bethany Clift. And the audio version sounds, yeah. Audio version is particularly awesome. It's really great. Cool. Nice. And Tarek, nice. what about you? So uh, what did I read this year that I would recommend? Um, I'm going to start with a real spec book, which um, is called There Is No Antimimetic 
Division by a, a writer called Quantum, Q-N-T-M. Um, mm-hmm. Presumably pronounce it Quantum. Um, and it's a kind of... it's. Oh yes, it's a it's quite a thin book. It is absolutely fantastic. It's it's like the SCP Foundation, which I've not really read much of, but it's a kind of wiki collaborative writing project, and it's very much that kind of weird fiction. That's it, there, Marcus got it. Yeah, it's a very kind of that weird fiction annihilation type stories. Annihilation is, I guess, quite a quite a you know punch to the charm became big, but is that kind of like crazy horror science fiction fantasy mashup and control the video game is very much like a, a kind of homage to the SCP foundation and so i think so 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 that so this book is um and is set in this universe where the there's like a kind of company or a bureau that like investigates strange occurrences kind of like the x-files or fringe or control and but the imagination is just amazing like the opening story is a which i won't spoil it but it's almost like kind of many stories that all feed into a bigger narrative and the opening story is a woman who goes for a job interview and then it turns out that she's actually the boss and there's a monster that eats people's memories in the room with them and it's so everyone's forgetting what's going on and it's it's like the way it reveals stuff it's just every time i read a story i was like i cannot believe this this guy's still got this imagination to come up with this more and more and more crazy stuff that was just is it kind of like a collection of shorts then it is yeah so they're all shorts but they all kind of feed into a bigger narrative but they're all kind of like independent little stories and um and pop up in one and then come in another story in a different fashion that is made clear and it's all time jumpy it's it's one of the most imaginatively. And borrow that book from you, Marco. Next time I see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it. sounds absolutely brilliant. Like it could and not it, be borrowed by Street. Last doing like a weekend. <laughs> it's really short. I, 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 you... May well, I've not actually read it yet, so I, but it's, it's quite short. So I will. I, I'm yeah. going to read it over the Christmas holidays. Yeah, have fantastic. you read Lena by the same author? No, um, I've not read any other of his stuff. So they have stuff on their website. They have some free to read short fiction, and Lena oh, okay. is um, is one that is uh it's kind of written as as if it's like essentially a, a wikipedia article but it's about mm acevedo which is the first executable image of a human brain and it's all about oh you this... sent me this i've read this yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's fantastic it's fantastic oh, and cool. it's, oh, a, it's the same guy it's yeah yeah same 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 person. same person same person i don't know their gender but um it's yeah it's uh they're fantastic stories um, oh nice and they've got a, they've got a, a bunch of other stuff on their website as well Oh, I have to check that out because yeah, I thought that was absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Um, another book I read more kind of literary would be *Looking Glass Sound* by Katrina Ward. Um, oh yeah, I'm a big Katrina Ward fan. Um, obviously she kind of, well, for me, broken with *The Last House of Needless Street* and then um, *Sundial* was the next one that I read, which I thought was even better. Um, and this one was just mental. Like it starts off as a kind of fairly, it seems like a fairly straightforward kind of small coastal town serial killer through the, the kids are kind of telling the story and then it just it keeps pulling back the focus more and more and more and it changes and changes and changes and by the time you get to the end it's like you're, you're actually struggling to keep in your head how all these different like perspectives are fitting together it's like it becomes something completely different by the end and it's it's crazy imaginative i don't know how she came up with it or wrote it or tracked it a type thing but it's 
Yeah, it starts off with one thing, and then it's a masterclass in like nesting narratives inside. Yeah, narratives, right, exactly. Like and inside yeah. narratives, like it's just. And, it's, it's and there's one point. There's like four. It's almost like an inception. There's like four different. It's like a story within a story within a story, and you're yeah. kind of keeping track of what is, it's. Yeah, it's not keeping track of what like just the timeline of the story, what's going on, but also like where the truth is, like which story yeah. is true, who's lying to you, which are fictional, which have been made up, and they're all yeah. like they, it changes every chapter. Like it, yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I also read for a straight up crime novel. I would recommend uh, "All the Sinners Bleed" to S. A. Cosby. Right, I mentioned that at the start. Just a really, really good, gritty, like noiry, um, small town crime thriller, which is like I really, I love that 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 stuff, and that really clicked. And then the last one, which I would recommend, is it came out I think a year or two ago now, is "Sea of Tranquility" by um, Emily St. John Mandel, which I really loved and. I mean, I'd read Station Eleven, and it's very similar to Station Eleven. That kind of well, it, it sort of establishes the thing about it is it establishes a sort of Mandel verse because it, does, it, yeah. it sort of references right. um, the Glass, the Glass Hotel, Hotel as well, yeah. Uh, and I think even it hints at Station I think Eleven. Station I think Eleven, is, yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, yeah, and it's a kind of it, it's yeah, it's that that was one which I was kind of enjoying, and then. It started to get more out there as it went on, and I enjoyed it more as it leaned more and more into the kind of science fiction side of it. Um, Have you seen the TV that's... adaptation of Station Eleven? No, I heard it's good though. Like, it's so good, and it's really interesting because it changes quite a lot from the book, oh, but in very, very interesting ways. And okay. it's one of those things that takes the same starting point and ultimately ends up at the same ending point but takes a different route to get there in a really really fascinating way and it's structurally much more complicated than the book and i loved it it was one of the best tv shows i watched this year oh brilliant right i need to i need to i do need to watch it because i was i was kind of i was like i don't need to watch i read the book and then i could find it on any streaming service but maybe i'll just go and hunt it out and just buy it and just give it a watch where where did we find it i think we might have bought it it was i I think it was on it was on one of the prime add-on channel oh is it that was that what it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think we bought it on apple tv because it was 15 quid for the series and i knew it was gonna be a one-off so I, it wasn't like i was committing to buy five series yeah, or yeah. whatever so uh, um, well that that that, that uh, Tar, are you done with your books Tar? yeah, yeah you are done i'm, I'm done <laughs> even if you've got more <laughs> um uh that brings us ni- neatly on to uh, a segue a segue nice segue to uh, your favorite tv and movies of the year and uh, we're going to start with Tarek. right what are my favorite tv shows of the year uh three shows which i watched this year which i loved and i think they all came out this year as well um last of us which I thought was just amazing, you know, video no, no, game. Yeah. based on video game, which I, I loved um, for for the reasons which I love the TV show, which is the narrative, the characters, the, the you know the way it's based on like a play, like a movie or type thing. It's and the and the seriousness of it. I, I, think, I think the TV show even improved on the narrative. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree yeah. with. And I was amazed how close it stuck to the yeah. game. Actually, like it didn't use it as a launching off point. Of video, but also very much simultaneously did like you know stuck to the game very 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 closely except for like you get that bottle episode um, yeah uh, oh god that was that was just, just outstanding some of the best tv i've seen you know, all year. Like, yeah 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 it's brilliant um highly recommend that cannot wait to see what they do with part two um my next show which i really really enjoyed was the bear which i think everyone 
agrees is pretty yeah, much fantastic. You know, it's a TV show. It's the second season was just as good as the first, if not a bit better. Like the tension is still there. The the see the Christmas episode with the family was just one of the most stressful dinners I've watched <laughs> in a long time. And the you know the cast, the big names that pop in for like ten minutes here and there. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Love that show. And and it's a show which I remember watching, thinking, oh, everyone says it's good. I'll I'll, I'll watch it. Didn't think I would love it as much as I did. Phenomenal. And well, final show, which that, that I think is so amazing about the bear. And I'm just taking some time to say this because the bear was, was going to be on mine anyway. So you've, you've stolen one of mine. Uh, <laughs> but, but one of the things I was going to say about it is, and I'm surprised that streaming shows have not done this before, is as we move away from, you know, scheduled TV that ha- has to happen in a certain time into streaming shows, right? I'm surprised yeah. that more streaming shows haven't done what the bear's done, which has gone for this episode we need an hour because that's the story that we want to tell right for this episode we need half an hour because that's yeah. the story that we want to tell like it totally the of the episodes particularly in season two shifted all over the yeah. place depending on the story they want to tell and i was like well you're streaming of course you can do whatever the fuck you want like it totally agree. and i'm surprised that other shows haven't done that in the yeah, past they, the mindset they of, like, this kind of like we must have a show hour. a time frame yeah. like because there's no nothing necessitating you do that if you're not releasing it on cable tv you know exactly yeah no i totally agree yeah it's it, it it's it leans into the strengths of it and it is it's phenomenal um and, and and the last show i'd recommend is beef on netflix which i loved which is a kind of uh starts off as a road rage incident with two people and then they get, both get caught up in each other's lives and they're just constantly trying to one up each other and ruin each other's lives and it just builds and builds and builds and builds and it's like it goes crazy places and yeah it's Phenomenal. It's very, very, very good. Really enjoyed it. Excellent. Uh, uh, and uh, Nick? Uh, so one of my... I'll give you three TV shows because I haven't watched that many films this year. Uh, or new, not new films that have come out this year. Um, but um, three TV shows. One of them was going to be The Bear. So um, we talked about that already. But Excellent yeah, phenomenal. Um, Another one, which was a comedy, and usually I'm not, uh, comedies wouldn't usually make the top of my list um, because I just, not that I don't like comedies, but I find dramas usually a little bit more compelling. But um, Colin from Accounts, has anyone watched Colin from Accounts? I've heard it's very Oh, I've heard about it. Yeah, I've not seen it. Oh, funny. Um, It's like, yeah, it's fantastically good. And, And actually, like, for a for a comedy show has some some pretty solid emotional heft to it as well like it's engaging it's just it's really really good i kind of i almost don't want to spoil anything about it it's by Ennis. it's written and acted in by this australian couple it's an australian show but it's on it's on bbc iplayer i'm pretty sure i i think we watched it on bbc iplayer um it's just it's brilliant it was really really entertaining um and genuinely like laugh out loud hilarious at many points um so i would i would strongly recommend that um and then the other one which we only got into this year but but has been coming going out for, coming out for a while and the third season just finished this year just came out in 2023 um is warrior um which is um this uh it's, it's a show that they keep i mean one of the things that they put at the beginning of every episode was, was based on the writings of bruce lee supposedly um but i think they've kind of They've gone quite far away from that now. They watched the first season, yeah. um, but the, the concept I think was was initially a show that Bruce Lee wanted to make um, back in the day, which is set in, set in a eighteen seventies uh, California um, about 
Chinese immigrants and Irish immigrants and kind of the establishment of California and and all of the tensions in between that. And it's kind of it's essentially a mix between the best kind of Bruce Lee style martial arts films that you can imagine with a cowboy Western in in that kind of 1870s America uh, together with really compelling characters with really interesting storylines and just like obviously with the mix of those two things some really cool action scenes as well at the same time and like just consistently entertaining over three seasons um really really enjoyed it really loved it um and uh yeah i'll jump to me because i think dave's having a connection issues just now yeah so i i should have prepared this more because i can't actually think of very many things that i've watched this year but um i'm gonna say uh I, I don't even know if it was this year, but the the boys, um, oh, I, I yeah. enjoyed Love it that. a lot. Um, in in a time of superhero fatigue, um, I think that still stands up because it's so totally irreverent and just sort of flying in the face of the other superhero stuff that's out there just now. So um, I not... heard the spinoff, the the teen spinoff, Gen, is Gen, actually Gen surprisingly Gen good. Yeah, yeah. Very really. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which surprised that. me because it looked it looked dreadful from the from the trailer. I was <laughs> I like, didn't no, watch it because it looked terrible, <laughs> but it's apparently really good. I don't know. Yeah, don't no, I'm def- I, I will I will definitely end up watching that one. Um, uh, the the other one uh, next, Last of Us. You've already talked about. Um, loved that, uh, and I'm very very late to the party on this one. But we just watched um, season one of True Detective. Um, which I absolutely loved. Uh, yeah, I, the only thing about it that that slightly disappointed me was at the very, very end. I felt it, it didn't drop the ball by any means. It was still good, but I felt it could have leaned in more to the weird stuff. And really, yeah, weird enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, felt, it felt like it was going down a kind of spec, but yeah, and then it, it's it's not, and that which is fine. But I was kind of like, ah, uh, personally, I would have liked it. Yeah, yeah, leaning in more into the weird stuff for sure. Yeah, I, I I read someone, I read a comment probably on Reddit that said it would have been really good if True Detective had each each season of True Detective had these really grounded crime stories, but it would that all had some sort of cult around them, and that's kind of what you know. So the 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 weird stuff was a real thing that was going on in the background, kind of a thing. Not necessarily that the characters would find, but it would be in there would be the speculative stuff. Yeah, that, 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 yeah I, I like the, cool. the thought of that a lot. Yeah, um, and the only you know the trouble is I, I generally the only things I can think that I watch is what I watch when I sit down to dinner with the girls. So uh, things Modern like family. Modern Family, yeah, which is brilliant. I love Modern Family. <laughs> uh, Modern Family, so yeah, uh, very quick for me on on that topic. Um, Dave, what about you? I've got a few. Um, I'll start with a film. So uh, The Creator, I um, enjoyed despite itself. It's, it's a it's a funny film. It's, it's Everybody simultane- that I have heard talk about it has said pretty much exactly that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I did, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it, but I didn't. It's funny. It's like it's a film that's simultaneously too long um, because there's a bunch of setup that's really slow moving and it only really gets going narratively in the last third and it's also too short um because the the ending feels really rushed and choppy um but it's got some absolutely gorgeous visuals it has that kind of 
that visual shorthand that I would describe as like scratched paint punk, you know, lots of sort of real looking robots and real looking depths and stuff like that. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's got some fantastic world building and some really interesting stuff. It's also got some really dodgy world building. That's a bit like, "Mm, I'm not sure that works. Um, But I I loved it on the big screen. Um, And I think if you have a very large TV, it's probably worth, um, checking out when it when it shows up on streaming um so yeah that was good um on netflix i really enjoyed blue eye samurai recently um which for me was the sort of 2023 um uh animation that really grabbed me and surprised me in the same way that uh, arcane did a couple of years ago and that it kind of massively transcended the pitch you you read the pitch you know you read the pitch for arcane and it was like based based on league of legends and yeah. you're like well whatever and then it vastly kind of transcended that that starting point and blue eye samurai is kind of similar similar it kind of reads like a slightly schlocky um um kind of uh mythic tale set in uh pre or not uh edo period japan um but it's it's all about a um samurai who is uh, the daughter of one of the four white men in Japan at, at that period when it was a very, very heavily constrained access for foreigners. Um, and she's tracking down those four men and killing them one one after the other. But it's also, there's also like military coups and um, just uh, season two just got renewed and it's fantastic. So I highly recommend that. Um, just some of the most stunning visuals, amazing characters, it's great. It's great. Um, really enjoy Slow Horses, obviously, because I love the books. And I think the TV adaptation is probably one of the best castings, set of castings that I've ever done, to, ever seen to the point that like the, the actors from the TV show have fully taken over from the characters in my head when I'm reading yeah. the books in a good way. Like, I'm, I don't feel bad about it. Um, Andor, I loved. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, I love that. That's Andor. good. That's yeah. good. What's that this year? year? I don't know. That this I, year? Don't know. I, think it was, I think it was this year. Early. Or it was maybe like, early this year. Maybe. I thought <laughs> Andor was one of those shows that I was watching it. I was like, I I almost think I would like this more if it wasn't set in the yeah. Star Wars universe. Like, it was. And, and, and I think one of the really interesting things about it as a show is that it's, I think, one of the first kind of disney star wars shows that's written by a single writer instead of a writer and that to me showed in the quality of the dialogue and some of the just incredible writing there's there's a couple of scenes in the early episodes where characters deliver these soliloquies or or just little pieces to each other that just absolutely they're just bangers they're just i was gonna say the thing that the thing that really separated Andor for me as there were so many things that were so good about it but it's been a very long time because I think a lot of modern writers feel like it's, I don't know, it's it's schlocky or it's it's melodramatic or anything like that. It's been a very long time since I've seen a writer commit to the power of the dramatic monologue in the way that they, they didn't handle. Like there were about seven or eight across the, the season dramatic monologues that are just amazing and memorable. Yeah. Um, and and I, I love that about it. It was, it was yeah. Felt yeah. very... Um, almost Shakespearean show because mm-hmm. of that, you know, like yeah. it, it kind of a weight. Yeah. And the pacing of it, like it would be like but deliberate, of, very it, deliberate it happens. Like, well, I liked it. I liked it. Quicker it was than you think each, it will. Each, each batch of three episodes was its own mini arc. Kind of yeah. Thing. yeah. 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 And the that prison stuff well. was just yeah. insane. 
yeah, that was at the other end of the yeah oh yeah the the one way out speech by Andy Serkis is probably the high point of the, yeah, of the another series. amazing monologue yeah. yeah yeah um at the other end of the scale uh is the utter daftness of the diplomat on Netflix which is a hard to describe but it's it's basically what if uh, a bunch of ambassadors were a bit nuts and were doing a bunch of crazy stuff behind the scenes and it's got sounds um, like real life i want you was that with rufus sewell as as the yes yeah Yeah. he was great in it he was amazing that was that was really fun actually that was a great show yeah yeah yeah. lots of snappy dialogue lots of fun turns um it was just it was an absolute classic like you could see the hooks for the next episode coming a mile off to the point that you were like i know what you're doing here and i know how you're manipulating me but i'm, I'm here for it it's great um i quite liked cyberpunk edge runners um as yeah, a kind of almost thing. yeah it was like a classic anime but yeah. in the cyberpunk world and having played the game a lot i was like appreciating all the little sound effects and and apparently that did a massive amount to boost sales of the game it kind of had that synergistic effect and people were all over it um there's a show as well on disney plus in the uk called reservation dogs which has just finished its Uh, third season a lot of good things about that fantastic so good it's produced by taika waititi and it's about uh teenagers growing up on a um, native american reservation in oklahoma um which sounds very gritty and realist and kind of depressing but is actually it's one of the funniest, uh, most kind of heartfelt shows I've seen in years. And I think it also has a, a lot of kind of speculative elements. The, there's various visions and people, um, characters interact with their ancestors in ways that are both hilarious and heartbreaking. It's a fantastic show. What, um, what's the, what's yeah. the, speaking of gritty reservation, what's the film with Jeremy Renner? Um, where, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. Uh, is it white something but basically it's like an incredibly like it's quite hard to watch as a film but also has the tensest i think it's possibly the wind river that's it yeah the tensest standoff scene at the end that's incredible honestly taylor sheridan i'm like i'm becoming a massive massive fanboy of his stuff i think i didn't realize that Reservation Dogs was Taika Waititi as well. Like I'd heard good things about it, but I didn't. He's a have... he's a producer on it. Yeah, he didn't he didn't write it, but him. Okay. Because yeah, I used to, I, I used to be to... a kind of like, a, I used to be a I will watch anything that Taika Waititi writes and directs for. And then I watched Thor: Love and Thunder, and then I no longer feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm still interested by him as a as a creator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I heartily recommend that. Um, I've got two more. Uh, yeah. So The Peripheral, I really enjoyed. The adaptation of the William Gibson uh, first book in the, the kind of agency series, which um, if we're going to apply punk labels to everything, I would call this like extruder punk. It's this kind of suburban 3D printed, um, you know, this weird Internet of Things enabled universe, but also simultaneously like all massively wacky and about multiple uh, realities and stuff like that and I, I it was another show that made a lot of changes from the book but in a really interesting way um i think it got canned it by amazon canned which is a real thing, pro- yeah. yeah which kind of sucks and the last one is uh, something i haven't seen but which i have seen everywhere people talking about which i really want to see for next year which is a show called scavengers rain uh, which is currently only available in the u.s um, i've heard of it check the trailer out because it's about a crew of people who are marooned on a planet and have to figure out uh, 
how to survive on that on that planet by interacting with the flora and fauna that live on that planet and that's literally all i know about it but every person that has seen it there's a bunch of people in various discords i'm in who have seen it and they're all like this is the best thing i've i've seen in 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 a in a year or more um and i really want to watch it but i don't know when it's going to come oh to the UK. yes i have read about this and i had the, and i've and i can't find it in the uk at all it's yeah. an animated one yeah and i'm like I, I i would buy it if it was available i'd subscribe to the service to watch it because it's uh it looks fantastic yeah excellent right well um before i ask you my final christmas based question um since we are a writing podcast and we've kind of veered away from that a little bit um <laughs> uh, at the very end just uh one thing that you're looking forward to writing wise in 2024 uh, and we'll start with dave possibly I'm a book coming forward. out potentially yeah yeah, yeah i'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to the book coming out. I'm looking forward to all the attendance stuff that will go to that because one of my highlights last or this year, I guess earlier this year, was going to Next Launch. Like Next Launch was in Edinburgh was fantastic, and because there was a bunch of people uh, from my writing group there, there was a bunch of people from ESFF, the server that we're all on, um, and I'm looking forward to having that experience myself, hopefully, and also going to Harrogate, going to Bloody Scotland, and starting to make connections because you know I I write sci-fi, but I also write thrillers. And I kind of have spent four or five years building up connections and meeting people in the, in the sci-fi world. And now I'm basically not quite start starting from scratch, but I'm I'm starting to do the same thing in the in the crime and thriller world. And I think launching my book will be hopefully the start of uh, establishing myself in in that world. So I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. What about you, Nick? Uh, Dave's book coming out. Um, is <laughs> Thanks, I on the list. Um, I'm looking forward to that immensely, and it's going to be a cracking launch um whatever we do for it um i'm looking forward to worldcon which is going to be in glasgow mm. um of course Shit. Which is going to be <laughs> that. uh in the summer um so that's that's it's going to be my first worldcon um and i'm looking forward to it immensely um yeah i'm looking forward to some things to do with my writing as well uh some things that i can't really talk about uh that i'm looking forward to but some that possibly possibly my next book coming out uh we haven't got we haven't got a strict pub date yet but it's either going to be end of 2024 or beginning of 2025 so if it's it might be in the next year but if not it'll be very shortly afterwards it's but the books with editors at the moment it's it's we're on a kind of editing schedule like we're working through it but when the exact pub date falls has not been set a hundred percent stone yet but hopefully maybe another one of my books coming out too brilliant nice. what about you Tarek? Uh, from my own point of view, um, I've got some books um, which I've signed, which I have uh, not been announced yet, but they are not till twenty twenty five. So I suppose I'm looking forward to kind of like firming them up and getting them finished and ready to go uh, next year. Um, and working with a couple, a few different, different, different folk in the publishing world who I'm really excited to work with um, next year, which should be good. Um, and but the book I'm looking forward to coming out next year is All the Colors of the Dark by Chris Whitaker. Um, oh yeah, I like his stuff a lot. Yeah, I really, I really loved We Begin at the End, um, which came out a couple of years ago now. I yeah, think. that was a great um, book. I really, yeah, I thought it was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. And and apparently, uh, All the Colors of the Dark is like super dark and emotional and just meant to be a really good like kind of serial killerish. I think I've not read it, so I don't know. But it, it's meant to be awesome and i'm very much looking forward to reading that i think it's out in march next year 
Excellent, excellent. You, Marco, what's your uh, finishing this book? That's my that's, that's hopefully going to be my highlight, or it will be my low light when I fail to do so. But you know, I'm forty five thousand words down. So hope, you'll, you'll be hopefully you'll be I'll get there. Yeah, no, finishing that and then seeing what happens with it. You know, as as Dave said, you know, these things sometimes don't don't end up going anywhere, but. It's all part of the process, and it'll be exciting. You to have see. to believe, though, man. With every yeah, yeah. book that goes out, you have to believe. Even if it doesn't, you got to I mean, gotta it's the greatest book ever written, so I've got no, yeah, no think, doubts whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's but, super exciting. It's gonna be, it'd be amazing, yeah, seeing that the wheels kick in and you know, what happens with that and pitching it to publishers, etc. That's super exciting. Yeah, stuff. definitely, definitely. And, yeah, yeah, I will be asking for you all to be to read it, so... Uh, I'll be sort of, of slightly hiding as I hand it out and hoping that it's not terrible. But, yeah. um, uh, but last thing I want to ask you, and I did warn you all about this, so I hope you all have an answer. Uh, your favourite Christmas movie. Oh, yes. Uh, so we will start with Nick. Uh, mine is... So I I actually don't like a lot of Christmas movies. <laughs> um and so you the know Grinch, it, it, it depends on <laughs> i love christmas uh in it, as you can tell by my many accoutrements and my elf um but um yeah so so um it depends what you define as a christmas movie like there are some things which have been yeah. you know uh-huh. you call die hard a christmas Sorry, movie it's yeah, not really about so. christmas that happened at christmas time you know but but it kind of is um so my favorite christmas movie is absolutely um trading places oh, uh, nice which okay. is a wonderful movie. I've not seen that for uh, years, actually. I must yeah, so. but apparently, and I don't know if you can speak to this, Marco, I've only discovered this relatively recently, and I've, I've loved the movie for years, but apparently it's got a real massive cult following in Italy at Christmas. Oh, is that right? I yeah, the, it was, it was, it was on the, I was reading it on the Wikipedia article for it some months ago for some reason. I don't know why. I was doing some Wikipedia browsing, um, and it was saying that, uh, apparently there's this huge thing where Italians watch Trading Places on Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very specifically. I think um, we have to do that on Christmas um, Eve. Is that so, like the whole, the whole of Germany sits down and watches some random British comedy from the 1950s on yeah. Christmas Yes, Eve? yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, right. it, the yeah, whole yeah. of Germany watches this really weird. I've watched it. The, 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 yeah. It's comedy where he keeps trying to pour the drinks and he keeps yeah. getting drunk. drunk he drinks the drinks for everyone. Yeah. Not yeah. Really, yeah. Um, Really bizarre, but yeah. So apparently, Training Places is watched by tons of people in Italy on Christmas Eve. Uh, but it's also a great film, and it like, is. Yeah, film. yeah, very. There's, there's a. I can think of a scene in that where the first time I saw it, I just couldn't stop laughing. It, it just comes, and it's like a scene that is. It's not one of the main comedy bits. It's just a throwaway line, and it was just brilliant. Do you, know, do you want to know the, the 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 highly lauded Christmas film? I hope it's none of your three. The highly lauded Christmas Uh-oh. film. That is supposedly a comedy that I've never laughed at once, and I I cannot. You're going to say the film that is I'm going to say. I can tell, but anyway, go for it. <laughs> is Elf? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it your film? I can't, yeah. can't get on with it, Marco. I can't. We were. I'll come back to why you're wrong about that in a moment. But uh, Dave, <laughs> okay, what's we'll your... talk about it. We'll hash it out. <laughs> what's your... So I have a complicated answer, which I will go through quickly, so that you don't challenge me. Um, so. Uh... I'm married to an American, so to, uh, if you if you're judging purely by rotation and number of times I've seen them, um, it's probably "It's a Wonderful Life" and "Christmas Story," which are the two I big like Christmas American. Story a lot, yeah. yeah, yeah, Christmas Story. 
there's so many things in it that are very American references that I don't really get, if I'm honest. But um, I've watched it enough times now that I mostly mostly understand what's going on. But it's a classic. It's good. And it's weird because it's made in the 80s, but has the vibe of having been made in the 50s. It's kind of a strange movie. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Absolute classic. Yep. You know, okay. um, if you don't cry when the the uh, the bell Angel. rings at the end, yep, then you're exactly, you're, yeah. you're not you're not a, a real person. Um, and then, the, but my my probable actual favourite and the one we watched this year when we were putting the tree up is uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, the yeah, only God. phenomenal you know, choice. And and the best part about it is that um, Michael Caine plays the entire movie completely straight. Yeah, yes. he's surrounded yes. by Muppets. Totally, he, you know. He just plays it right down the line. He's like, I'm going to treat this like Shakespeare. And it's fantastic. Two very, very quick anecdotes. <laughs> uh, that um, that my, my my son uh, is now uh, five. Uh, and my daughter's three. I'm watching, obviously, M- M- Muppet's Christmas Carol is perfect Christmas film for that. And just having, for most of December... Um, my son going around the house going, we're Marley and Marley. <laughs> <laughs> Just like constantly around the house. It's been very insane. But it made me discover that there's actually a very large contingent of people out there who their first exposure to A Christmas Carol is The Muppet's Christmas Carol. And then they later in life read A Christmas Carol and they realize that Jacob Marley was, of course, only one person and not two people, <laughs> and it blows their mind. This is a big thing that happens to a lot of people where they realize that, that the Marley brothers were, were entirely a Muppet creation. Yeah, it's fantastic. You see the, um, the live show of that with like, the orchestra last Christmas in Usher Hall, and oh, it was amazing. amazing. And they'd found a cut well, of the film with that song reinserted which made my Christmas because it's all annoyed me they cut that song out because I'm going to get a big rant about this because they they reference it at the end because the song they cut out is called When Love Is Gone and the song at the end which they they keep in is called When Love Is Found and it makes no sense to keep in the final song without the original song that it's referencing. It does, yeah, that's annoying. That's annoying. And I've got one tiny bonus recommendation, which is uh, very quickly, uh, very quickly. Yeah, sorry, it's called Klaus on Netflix. Oh, that's yeah, 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 yeah. That's close. Hilarious, beautiful yeah. animation, Christmassy without being overly uh, Christmassy about it. It's great. It's, yeah, fantastic. Uh, Tarek. Okay, very quickly, my Christmas movie of greatest of all time. You can take your It's Wonderful Life and stick it. It's Jingle All The Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Genuinely <laughs> fucking love this film. I know it's crap, Bullshit. but I absolutely love it. Like, I'm a massive Arnie fan, and I just I watch it every Christmas, and it's just so stupid, and I, I can't get enough of it. I just love it. Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that, that, that's... I almost went for that, to be honest, Eric. <laughs> you bring up another thing, which is Christmas films also become films that you will always watch at this time of year. And one, you know, yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy is a big... I associate that with Christmas. I don't, did they come out around it Christmas? It came out at Christmas. Yeah. Like, it was the... But certainly I've, I've watched in more than one Christmas. I've watched, we've sat down and watched them all and extended edition right off. I've just finished re-watching the, 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 all three, actually. Uh, yeah. We started at the beginning of December. We did a little chance, but I've just finished watching uh, the, the full trilogy. Nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, well, actually, both of the movies I was going to say have been, have been mentioned. So Elf, I maintain, is... 
good. Elf's um, I love Elf. Elf's like fantastic. I love. I, I have to say, I'm a big it's Will Ferrell. Er, early Will Ferrell fan. I I like Will Ferrell as well. Yeah, like I yeah. love Anchorman. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit. I just it's something about Elf that just the comedy doesn't. I end. just I, I like. I quite like his interaction with uh, James Can as as the angry dad, uh, just getting more and more frustrated. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I, I I enjoy that one. I also I was going to say feeling which uh, Klaus is a new, it's relatively new, but it's sort of Santa the origin story, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, again, that's a film. At the end of it, at the very last line, uh, always brings tears to my eyes as well so it's it's you know it's just a lovely it's funny but heartfelt great animation so i highly recommend that one as well so actually i do there's there's one bit that i still a lot in elf and it's um it's the early early peter dinklage showing up in the uh, at the end of the film just being (laughs) say that say i get more action than you get in a week (laughs) 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 whatever Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, um, that is good. Yeah, I like that bit. <laughs> um, see, there's lots of bits like that. It's good. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> uh, we have gone on way longer than we anticipated, but that's because it's been a great chat. Uh, really enjoyed having you both on. So thank you for coming on and, and Did chatting. Did you enjoy having, having me here too, Michael? Well, I mean, I kind of had to. Yes, in the default. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will be back with regular, although slight, we're, we're looking to slightly refresh the format of the podcast. Soft that, reboot. A soft reboot, uh, which will come back uh, uh, early in the new year. Um, but in the meantime, if you're listening to this before Christmas, have a great Christmas and new year or you know, have happy holidays, all that sort of stuff. And as I say, we will be back um for the start probably early january sorry late january early february next Mm -hmm. year with another great batch of episodes and brilliant guests to help you in your writing journey but thanks very much for tuning in (laughs) 